When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Now we welcome onto the show from Pro Football Focus, Austin Gale. What's going on, Austin? Nothing much, man. How are you? Oh, I'm just draft simming. We've just been draft simming pretty much nonstop because we're quarantined, and actually we would have been doing that anyway. But now that tomorrow is April, it's officially all on pedal to the metal, uh, draft simming, draft season, and so forth. So here is your first task on the show, Austin, is you have to grade our draft sims that we just did, okay? So I'm going to start off. I'm just going to tell you who I took for the Minnesota Vikings, and I want you to give me your reaction. All right, so I went, I went with at 22, uh, Javon Kinlaw, uh, Jeff Gladney at 25, the cornerback from TCU, the Auburn corner whose name I can't possibly pronounce at 58. I got uh, Damon Lewis from LSU at 89, and then at 105, Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois. Grade my drafts in. I actually really like that draft. I think the only thing that stands out for me is you didn't go after a receiver. I think this Vikings team definitely needs receiving talent in a draft class that's loaded with good wide receivers. It's interesting that you didn't go after him. However, I'm not going to knock a guy who goes after a positional value. That name you can't pronounce is Noah Igbenogany, a guy I think has some of the best upside in this draft class because of his athletic ability. I think him, Gladney, Kinlaw, those are all players that are very high on PFF's board. Then you throw Jeremy Chin and Damian Lewis, who I, I really do like Damian Lewis. I talked to him at the Combine. Nasty player. His comps are Dave Jackson, a meaner version of Dave Jackson, if that exists. I think that's a great pickup as well. All right, let me just, uh, before Courtney gives you her draft sim, uh, I just want to explain the wide receiver thing is they all kind of went off the board for me, Austin. I, I, I could see this as something that happens is that everyone has hyped up this receiver draft so much that by the time we get to the end of the second round where they have the 58th pick, that a lot of the big names are gone. So is is... I got to a point where I thought the Auburn corner, who you pronounced, and I'm not going to try, he just seemed like the best player at that time as opposed to other receivers who were maybe the 12th, 13th, 14th receiver off the board at that point. Yeah, I think if the Vikings are going to address the receiver position, I think it's got to be with one of those two first-round picks. I know they can find value on day two, but they don't need a day two guy. They need a guy to come in and be a true number one alongside Adam Thielen now that Stephon Diggs is out of the picture. And I think at the back end of the first round, 22-25 range, you can get a guy like Denzel Mintz, J. 
Jalen Rager, Michael Pittman Jr., maybe T. Higgins. Like that's where I start to feel like the Vikings would be comfortable taking a receiver in that spot because there will be a ton of value in that in that spot of the draft. Okay, Courtney, now your draft sim. Hi, Austin. So I engaged in some trading in my draft sim, which I've never As done one before. Does. Um, I, I am trying to expand my expertise of draft simming because that's all Matthew and I do during the quarantine. Um, and I decided I wanted to try to get as close to the top 10 as I could. Uh, so I sent my first round pick at 25, my second round pick, um, and my third round pick, the first of the two, uh, to San Francisco, and I got their 13th pick, 13th overall pick in the first round. And I what I did with that, I drafted Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa, uh, with the thought that nothing's happening right now with uh, Washington and the Trent Williams deal. And, you know, at this point, the Vikings don't really have the finances unless they're able to move Anthony Harris, which to me, keeping him at safety right now seems like a need. So I drafted Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, uh, 13th overall. I still had my second, my, I still had my first start, but yeah, this would be my first first round pick uh, at 22. I got T. Higgins uh, out of Clemson. So there was a run on receivers. I ended up picking him at 22. Uh, at three, uh, with my third round pick, the second one that I got from the comp picks that came out a couple weeks ago, I got Troy Pride Jr., the cornerback out of Notre Dame. I know Mike Renner, uh, one of your pals over at PFF, loves him. And ever since Senior Bowl, his stock has continued to rise. I've seen really good things about him. Uh, so I'd like to get him in the fold in the third round. And then my fourth round pick, I got an edge rusher, Jonathan Garvin, out of Miami, thinking that the Vikings could be in okay position to put a Fadio Denebo there, uh, at least to start the season and create a rotation to replace Everson Griffin's production. How, do you, how did I do? Uh, I don't love this one as much, and I think I have to start with the trade, largely because you know, with PFF and, and studying specifically draft trade analysis, a lot of the work that Dr. Eric Eager and another data scientist, George Jury, has done is looked at trading in the draft. And they say nine times out of ten, if you trade up and don't grab a quarterback, you're not going to recoup that value for the picks that you gave up. So trading up or an offensive tackle, though, up there on the positional value chart, up there with wide receiver, cornerback, those things, it's going to be so difficult for Tristan Wirfs to be as valuable as the two or three players that you're giving up in that draft to trade up and grab him. So a little bit of concern there. But with Tr- Tristan Wirfs, a great player. Trading up for him, maybe he doesn't meet that value. After that, great pride. In addition to Mike Renner, I-, I-, I do love that kid as well. I think some size concerns with him, but he's got track speed. He's a feisty player. I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. He's a very smart dude between the years. I think he can play multiple positions in the NFL. I think that's a good pick on day, late day two, early day three. Jonathan Garvin, I think, will struggle to you know start in the NFL, but I do think he could be a depth player. He just doesn't have that next-level athleticism to be a premier starting edge defender in the NFL. But in the fourth round, you're grabbing depth pieces. You're grabbing guys that could potentially be contributors down the road. I think you have to start with, and I'm going back to T. Higgins. I, I like T. Higgins in the first round. I think T. Higgins will surprise people with his with his athleticism and size combination. I think going after a receiver makes sense for the Vikings, as I told Matt. Talking with uh, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Does a tremendous podcast, two-for-one podcast with Mike Renner. Very fun uh, podcast to listen to. And as I was flying out to the Combine, I was listening to that, just binging episodes on the flight uh, to try and get my mind around what was going to happen in this draft. So you have been a tremendous help, Austin, for getting us prepared to analyze this Vikings draft. Uh, Now, as we talk about the different positions that they need, there are so many, Austin, that 
that uh, they can really go a number of different directions. But I think what we're going to find out, and I and I want to know your opinion on this, is whether they think they're trying to fill spots right away for 2020 because they still are pushing to be a competitive team, or whether they should be looking down the road. And I think drafting a tackle is sort of looking down the road a little bit because they still have Reef and uh, Brian O'Neill. But drafting something like a safety in the first round if they move Anthony Harris, that might be we need to plug a position right away. I kind of feel like teams that try to plug positions right away get themselves in trouble, um, but how do you see that? You know, it's always that. I mean, drafting for need, regardless of where you are, you know, in terms of the Super Bowl chase, often leads to negative results because you end up reaching at a position you feel like you need and not getting the results you need with that position to actually make that push. I mean, PFF has been at the forefront of this idea of draft, draft or value, draft the best player available sign need in free agency and i think with that being said the vikings would be smart to take the best player available with the draft apple they have i think they have enough needs and enough roster holes to where they can afford to really just take the best player available grabbing javon kinlaw and cornerback in the first three rounds is a smart decision for this vikings team because it matches need and it will match value at the spot that they're selecting i think it does make sense for them to weigh both options but if you find yourself forcing need at a certain position say offer to tackle at the back end of round one, and you grab like Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, maybe you're reaching at that offensive tackle position. I think it might make more sense for you to go for a position that meets value and also offers some, um, obviously, immediate return. So speaking of immediate return, let's say that they stick at 22 and 25. Uh, no trading allowed. So they end up having an option to get a receiver with one of those first-round picks, and let's say that they do with 22. At 25... Would you look more closely at trying to find an edge rusher, a premium guy um, that could start day one and try to fill that production that you lose from Everson Griffin? Like, what what to you is more important, keeping that pass rush where it's at, or trying to get a Christian Fulton, a Trayvon Diggs, uh, any of those corners that would be available to you in the mid to late first round? Yeah, my opinion is at the back end of the first round, where the Vikings are selecting, the two positions that will have the most value to them are wide receiver and cornerback. This is not a great edge class. After Chase Young, the drop-off is significant. You're looking for guys that are incomplete, won't deliver right out of the gate. And that's something that the Vikings don't necessarily need to force at this point. They can grab a wide receiver and cornerback in that spot, in that range from 20 to 35. Names that come to mind on the cornerback, I think Jalen Johnson, of Utah, Bryce Hall, Virginia, Trayvon Diggs, Alabama, all of those guys should be coming off the board between picks 25 and 50. And with that being said, go grab yourself a cornerback. Don't necessarily force um, edge defender in that slot because I just don't think the draft is a rich edge defender class. Go draft the guys that have a ton of value and also offer um, talent in in those things. Uh, Austin, receivers are really interesting here because it seems like even though it is a deep receiver draft, there's three that are above the rest in Judy and Lamb and Ruggs. Um, but when we talk about the trade-up scenarios, is are they head and shoulders enough above other guys like Denzel Mims that the Vikings, let's say one of them drops to 16. You talk about those trade-up scenarios, but there's exceptions to every rule. Would it be worth it if they could get one of the top three receivers? I'd argue no. I, I just don't see the value because it is a deep receiving class. Yes, those guys, Stevie Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs, are the upper echelon guys that are all ranked inside the top 10 on PFF's board, but you're still going to get a plus contributor to work opposite of Adam Thielen where the Vikings are currently picking. Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, T. Higgins, 
Michael Pittman Jr., Brandon Ayuk of Arizona State. One of those guys is going to be on the board. And, yes, they're not in the same tier as Lamb, Ruggs, and Judy, but they still offer high-end wide receiver two, if not wide receiver one type of potential. I think the Vikings would be smart to go after Denzel Mims of Baylor. He has the size. He has the athleticism. I come from the Julio Jones light. I mean, this guy has freakish raw ability, and I think it's on an expanded route for he can have a ton of success. We saw that at the Senior Bowl. He showed out at the Combine. If he's on the board at pick 22, I think the Vikings would be smart to pull the trigger because this guy's stock is rising with every day. Somebody else's stock who seems to be rising, at least in recent mock drafts that we've seen, Todd McShay put one out today, Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network had one as well, uh, is Justin Herbert. And I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you see the... Tua and Herbert, I guess the you know the, maybe the interchangeability of like where they get drafted if one goes ahead of the other that you might not be expecting. What where is his stock at currently? From what you're hearing around the league, because um, it seems like the interest that teams are having, at least right now, and and they're obviously not able to get guys in for workouts. But you know, does any of that hurt him, or could maybe it help him because there still kind of is this this mystique about him that we just don't know you know, what he pans out to at this next level. Yeah, I mean, to start with Tua Tungabailoa, I do think his stock is somewhat getting affected for the fact that these team doctors aren't able to come and check what's going on with his injury. And I think, yes, he's gotten approved by third-party doctors and those things, but teams are going to be hesitant to take him in the top five if they can't 100% confirm this guy's going to play it down in the NFL and doesn't have this significant injury risk. I think he still goes inside the top five. It's going to be a bidding war to trade up and grab him between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins trying to trade up with the Detroit Lions. As for Justin Herbert, my opinion is, you know, if the Jacksonville Jaguars, who feel like they're committed to Gardner Minshew, don't opt for uh, Justin Herbert inside the top ten at that ninth overall selection, I think you see him fall a bit. I don't think there are other teams that would want to pull the trigger. I think the Las Vegas Raiders get mentioned, but John Gruden and Justin Herbert aren't going to mesh. You know, that, that, I've heard that a lot from others as well. It's just he doesn't have the same mindset, same competitive fire that John Gruden wants. He wants that out of Derek Carr, and he wants that out of his next quarterback. After that, I think the you know maybe the floor for Justin Herbert is the 23rd overall pick to the New England Patriots. Yes, they have Jared Stidham, and they signed Brian Hoyer to a veteran deal, but they are willing to swing the bat on a quarterback. They're not in a position to think, we can't afford to do that. And I think at 23, either Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, depending on what Bill Belichick likes more, I think he pulls the trigger on one of those two names. Now, Austin, if that is the case, that means the Vikings will have passed on either one. Would the Vikings be wise to draft Jordan Love or Justin Herbert if they get there? Even though they extended Kirk Cousins, it's usually a good idea to have some other option, and other teams have succeeded by drafting quarterbacks fairly high. Is it a crazy idea for the Vikings to take either one of those if they show up there? I I personally argue no, just because I do think the Vikings are trying to maximize this window with Kirk Cousins under contract and the roster they had in place. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, I don't think either of those two quarterbacks are worth it for a team that the Vikings are in a position the Vikings are in. They have their cousins. I think the Patriots are in a way different position. They're potentially tanking for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in 2021 with the quarterback situation they have. But Kirk Cousins, with the right supporting cast, can make a push in now what is an expanded playoff in the NFL. Like they are closer, way closer than the New England Patriots. And these quarterbacks, in my opinion, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love, just for good enough to swing the bat at that position where they're picking right now. 
Is there any sort of value pick or maybe a, a, an early day two pick? Because you you, th- you talked about the offensive line, and that's, that's kind of my thought of, at least in my draft sim, of why I traded up to try to fix this uh, as quickly as I possibly could, while also addressing the wide receiver need. Let's say, because Matthew and I were talking about this, just how difficult or how much more responsibility and weight is going to be put on the Vikings offense with a potential shortened off-season program to try to get to that next step um, and with an offensive line that you know so far has only brought back three depth players uh, and needs an upgrade at both interior, you know, both guard spots and still kind of a big question mark of what's going to happen at left tackle. Is there anybody in a, as let's say a day two pick, assuming it's still going to be rounds two and three, um, that you could see as a good fit in a short period of time with a truncated off season, knowing that you know the rookie experience is just going to be different this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think top of day two, I don't see a ton of value, and specifically in the interior offensive line class. I think top of day two, if you wanted to grab an offensive tackle, the guy I mentioned that wouldn't be great in round one, but great in round would be fantastic in round two is Ezra Cleveland of Boise State. You know, in that you know second round conversation, I think he makes sense for the Minnesota Vikings. I also like late day three, maybe or late day two, early day three, Jonah Jackson, the former Rutgers guard that transferred to Ohio State this past season, really blew it up. Great in pass protection. I don't love what he does as a run blocker, but I do think he comes in and is immediately one of the better interior offensive linemen from a pass protection standpoint for the Vikings. And you mentioned earlier Damian Lewis. I do think Damian Lewis fits that system well. He's a mean dude who can play in the middle. He's good against run and in the pa- and in pass protection, ranked inside the top 10 in PFF grade this past year. This is a good interior offensive line class when you start taking them off the board in round three and round four. However, I don't see second-round type of players that have high impact in this class. Uh, Austin, how are you guys handling uh, isolation? Are you guys doing okay there? I, I know you can't get together in your cool little building in Cincinnati. Are you and Mike doing the <laughs> podcast okay without being near each other? Yeah, I mean, things are good. I mean, compared to the other situations around America, I mean, PFF's in a really good spot. We're working from home. Mike and I are still FaceTiming every day and every night. You know, we, we can't drink <laughs> together. That's unfortunate. But we, we are in a good place, and we're still able to put out content, and we're really fortunate in the position we're in. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear. And uh, at least through FaceTime, you could see Mike's beautiful hair. So uh, follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale, G-A-Y-L-E. And definitely listen to the Two for One podcast. It is an excellent, excellent draft breakdown thanks for coming on austin we'll do it again soon man of course thank you yep, for sure all right whew, whew. there's a lot so, there you just jonathan i need you to just hit the football thing the thing that says football because heads football just sort of reset take a deep breath so much football right there let's go back to our draft sims all right, so he loved mine and hated yours, which is obvious. didn't hate it. He said he didn't love it as much, yeah. but I mean, he he's right. Like I think that this there's no exact science to how to execute a, a great trade uh, in that first round, unless it's really unless you see a quarterback that's there and for the taking. I just think there's so much uncertainty about this offensive line and what could happen over the next three weeks leading into the draft. With you know, are they still in it? for Trent Williams? Do they plan on taking, you know, making that the focal point of getting something done before the draft? So if not, they can address it in the draft. And, you know, to me, 
to tr- you're not going to get value for somebody who could potentially be a day one starter at 22 or 25 as an offensive lineman. I mean, even look at Garrett Bradbury from last year. He was the 18th yep. overall pick, and we know the struggles that he went through as a rookie. And granted, center is different than tackle. We know that. And the guard class was different last year. It was better. Um, but that's, you know, that was just my rationale there. Like, I'm not typically somebody who, you know, is a huge proponent of trading up anyways. But if you could, you know, my hope at the time, just to explain my rationale, was that I could at least try to get close to getting Makai Becton. I obviously failed at that, but I got, I think, the second-best tackle in the class. I do think that if you're going to do it, that it's either one of the top three receivers or it's one of the top tackles that you would do it for. The the second receiver thing, so that's where I got left out to dry. And that's what's fun about draft simming is because usually you come up with not filling all of the needs and you go, oh, okay, so I drafted the best players for each situation. And, yeah, I came out without a wide receiver. But having two tight ends who catch the ball all the time and a history of Gary Kubiak teams relying heavily on one receiver, namely um, Andre Johnson during his prime, I think they could manage to do that and continue to draft receivers later. Let's say Tyler Johnson is on the board. Mm -hmm. You select him in the fourth or fifth round. We only gave him the first three rounds of what we did. But maybe you select more of a developmental receiver, and then you just try to work around it. But last year, Stephon Diggs, for a good portion of the season, is the only receiver out there, and the offense still was able to hum. And I think that's just sort of the way that they design it, by using a lot of two running backs, two tight ends, and they could survive – Not that I wouldn't like to have drafted another receiver, but the way I went was to get two corners because you're just so desperate there. It's hugely valuable positional value-wise. And then I think that because the tackles are going to go quick off the top, looking for a guard who can fill in right away is really necessary here. Uh, I had a thought, though, because I saw a former offensive line coach who I follow on Twitter because you want to hit the football thing again, Jonathan, just real quick. Just, you know, hit the football thing. Football. Football. I mean, who doesn't follow former offensive line coaches on Twitter? I mean, you're just here to grind the tape. That's right. Uh, Paul Alexander, he tweeted four centers that he thinks are plug-and-play for next year, and it popped into my mind, and this would change with OTAs, I guess, but is there any chance that we see the elf line move from Garrett Bradbury to guard, and they go with elf line and Bradbury at guard and draft a center? Do they really want to go that route again? I mean, the whole argument, I mean, where where would you be drafting this guy? You, you probably like third round, second round. And that's where they got Alfline. That makes sense. I mean, you know, at least you wouldn't be doing it any earlier than that. I think I could get behind it from that, but you know, you want to keep taking guys out of position. I mean, Elfline is not good at guard. He was much better at center. Do we, you know, Garrett Bradbury, his biggest thing is length. Like, I mean, even dating back to the yeah. pre-draft process last year, like he was considered undersized for the position. His arm length and wingspan was, you know, that was the biggest thing that came to knock. It's not the athleticism. Um, and I'm sure you could find that at a third-round pick. But do you really want to keep moving that stuff around with a truncated offseason? And asking guys yeah, to try to figure this out. Part. I mean, that's offensive line to me. This creates a humongous, you know, kerfuffle yep. for the Vikings as you go into this because of the time that you're not going to get with these guys to gel and develop and, and put them in new positions. I mean, yeah, that's, that's tough. Right. That's right. Moving guys around is not something you want to do. It just stuck in my mind that there was somewhat of a conversation about when they drafted Bradbury 
could he play guard and have Elfline stick at center? And then, of course, they did the opposite, and it did not work out well at all. Um, but considering his athleticism, considering that teams started just putting their nose tackles right over him and dominating in this division, and I expect that to happen again, I it did run through my mind if there was someone like Lloyd Cushenberry, which... You know, yeah. What a center name. I, I would be all for it just for that. If he's there in the late second or he's in the third round, like could you fill it out that way because Bradbury is able to play guard and you are just really in a bad position at guard at this moment. Like you said, Elfline proved that he can't do it, but he's going to be a starting guard next season, almost guaranteed at this point, unless something really to. changes. Right. I actually did another, as we were wrapping up with Austin, I did another did draft sim. That's great. I'm um, so proud of you. It's just, you know, this is this is a way of life. Um, and I, I ended up accepting trades. I didn't propose any um, because I wanted to see, you know, the type of haul that I could get, you know, for fifth round picks that I could eventually trade away. But um, the third round guard thing that came came into the forefront for me for, with uh, I got Ben Breederson, I believe his name is from Michigan. And if you can address the offensive line Anywhere late day two, I think you are in a good position because, you know, regardless of what happens with, you know, bringing back Josh Klein, as you mentioned, maybe that's an option because you need depth and you need somebody who knows this system. Like, you know, what else are you going to do with that pick? If you don't pick a corner in the first or second round, if you don't pick a wide receiver in the first round, I mean, those are the most important things. I think everything after that, you're probably rolling the dice. I mean, how can you honestly expect that many guys uh, to come in and start having an immediate impact? Even though you need them to, you need to hit on your draft picks. I just feel like it's unrealistic to think that it's going to play out that way. Yep. Exactly. Uh, let's take a break and we'll come back. And I want to discuss your piece on Anthony Harris. I also included Anthony Harris in the most interesting storylines leading up to uh, the NFL draft. So things that we're watching for for the next month. Let's talk about that. And we're going to get a Miami Dolphin perspective. So we go from uh, this is a, we're covering here on the show, the battle of week 16, the Bengals yesterday to now the Miami Dolphins. But they are in a really interesting swing spot for the NFL draft. So we're going to talk with Cameron Wolf. At 3.30, he covers the Dolphins for ESPN. So we'll take a break. We'll come right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together. Hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com. Keyword open. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 